We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Tom Horn on March 28, 1980. It was written by Thomas McGuane and Bud Schrake, based on Tom Horn's autobiography, and directed by William Wired. Or Weird? Weird? <laughs> Not sure. Uh, it's Wizard without a Z, so however you want to pronounce that. Uh at your own risk and it was released by warner brothers uh five directors worked on this film yeah. but were either fired or left because of disagreements with steve mcqueen it's widely believed that he directed much of the movie himself uh as wired didn't do weird wizard didn't do much else <laughs> uh i think this represents our first like biographical film right coal miner's daughter oh that's true i forgot about coal miner's daughter but, uh, well, and, and Hero at Large was definitely based off a real story. Yeah, Jan Michael Vincent uh, actually <laughs> did the things and then they adapted it into that movie instead of Defiance. But, but she's still alive. Laura, 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 Laura. Well, and uh, <laughs> my, my Brilliant Career. My Brilliant Career is actually... Is that? It's based off of a Oh, yeah. It was, it was a girl's it, autobiography. I, it was her, mm. Yeah, it was her autobiography. In Australia. Wow, that was way off. Or no, what didn't take place in Australia, right? The, the uh... movie took place in Australia, but... The actual story took place in Europe. Did it? I, I thought can't it, I thought it took place in Australia. Who knows? Anyway, this movie. <laughs> uh, after Don Siegel quit as director, he was replaced with Elliot Silverstein and then James William Guercio, 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 who was fired after three days by Steve McQueen, who desperately wanted to direct the film himself, but DGA Records uh, forbid actors from taking over direction once a film has started because otherwise that would happen constantly <laughs> and people would just direct their own movies so he brought in a tv director uh to finish the film so that he could boss him around i guess on set. yeah mcqueen was very ill from lung cancer during filming though i don't think he knew it at the time he only had one more film after this uh, which will come out later in the year the hunter before succumbing to his illness in november of 1980 uh, united artists was in pre-production on a tom horn film with robert redford that was abandoned when this one was announced. Uh, the first draft of this script was actually written by William Goldman, but McQueen threw it out, and so it merged with the abandoned Robert Redford movie into a TV movie called Mr. Horn in 1979, and that starred David Carradine in the lead. But that was also, I think, more focusing on his earlier life. Right. Not, uh, not, not specifically the very end of his life. Yeah. I much would have Spoiler rather alert. watched a uh, William Goldman version of this movie. Than a William Wizard movie. <laughs> uh, this is McQueen's only R-rated movie. Somehow. Why is it R-rated? Oh, because a horrible because scene. of things. Okay. <laughs> a horrible scene with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember. Oh well, yes. Okay, that you could have easily avoided that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't have nope, to be R-rated. No, it had to be in there. Yeah, because because otherwise, what would be? <laughs> I rewound it four times. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole scene's pretty confusing, actually. But, uh, so, we start the film. The opening title says that Horn was a Pinkerton, a rough rider, and that he was part of the, the group of people that captured Geronimo. 
I didn't check any of that for veracity, but I'm assuming. Yeah. That's oh, all true. yeah. He 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 did a lot of crazy stuff. And well, I guess, I mean, some of the, some of the stuff I'll have to say will probably be saved for the end. Right. Uh, but uh, he was quite a character with a lot of career and a lot of murders. Yes. Well, well before this cattle rustling stuff, he was known. He killed his first man at 16. Right. So this this little blurb at the beginning, you know, makes makes Tom Horn sound like an interesting man and you know, somebody that you might want to make a movie about. In fact, somebody right. that two people wrote movies about and multiple studios were trying to make a movie about why they wouldn't put any of those interesting things yeah, in this movie. Yeah, I would movie. much rather see I don't know. Yeah, Tom Horn the Rough Rider. It's a much better movie. Or even the Pinkerton. Do like a noir like detective in the West. Instead, we have a movie that is about the most uninteresting parts of this man's life. Yeah. At the beginning, he's checking his horse into a stable. Uh, he says to keep it in solitary because otherwise it will kill whatever horse he put it in with. He's like, oh, it's going to be extra for solitary. He's like, you can put it wherever you want, but it's going to kill your other horse. So <laughs> it's actually going to save you money if you put it in solitary. Yeah. And don't go in there with him. Yeah. He also prices 24 cents cash, which just sounded weird to me yeah. out loud. Because when I hear the word cash, I think that that means paper money, not just money in hand or the opposite of credit. Yeah. It's like, you. I mean, I'm assuming that they didn't have credit. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, can I, you know, can I pay a letter? Yeah, well, or something or, like that. But or I, I, I'm assuming you know barter system was yeah. a, a fully valid way of paying for things. But he at says this 24 point. cents cash. Horn walks to a bar uh, nearby where some gentlemen are drinking a toast to Jim Corbett, who they claim is the future heavyweight champion of the world. I also didn't look into whether that happened. We, if if anyone was put off by the fact that he helped capture Geronimo and the Indians were actually the good guys, this was well known by the 80s already. Um, they try to set it right by showing that Tom Horn had a lot of respect for Geronimo. Yeah. Who's Geronimo next to Jim Corbett? Geronimo's a man so great that Corbett there would have to stand on his mother's shoulders to kiss his ass. Which promptly gets him beat to shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is basically attacked on his way out of the bar and wakes up in the stall with his horse completely bloodied and his face is all swollen. Well, I, I think that he either crawled there or made his yeah. way there because that's the safest place right. for when he's unconscious. But uh, Koble, uh goes to visit him in the stables. Koble was uh, there for the fight at the bar and uh, he realized who Tom Horn was. He's like, oh, is that is that the Tom Horn? And he's like, oh, I think so. He said his name was Tom Horn. So he goes to visit him at the stables and he says, basically, I want to hire you to help me with my with my cattle and, and tom horn is like yeah all right yeah because he needs a job he's new to town but he i think he's trying to settle down somewhere the two of them together head to brown's hole to water their horses and they are harassed by some rustlers yeah, so I, I was unclear i was like is this their home i think so and they're just let they just let people come and drink their water i or... guess yeah I, I was i was really unclear as to who these people were and what this location was um, because they obviously it was felt it was necessary in order to get to Coble's ranch. Right. Was you have to pass through here because the horses won't make it. They'll be too thirsty. Right. And he immediately notices that there's a bunch of cattle and some of which are his. Yeah. Cause they're, they're branded and he recognizes them. And, uh, the rustlers that are outside of this shack basically start the traditional, like, Oh, dance for me, boy. Like firing at Coble's legs. Yeah. And uh, he's having to hop up and avoid getting shot on the foot. 
And Tom Horn has no patience for this and just pulls out a gun and shoots through one of the guy's feet immediately. Yeah. They there's this, these uh, weird crossfades back and forth. Yeah. Um, they so they that's basically the end of the confrontation. There, they just say, "Oh, we're gonna get you, Tom Horn," and they crossfade to Coble and Horn riding the horses. But th- they they do a crossfade from one shot to the next shot, and then to a third shot before the first fade finishes. And it keeps happening over and over again. And it just, I, it felt like they were trying to span time really quickly, but it just comes across as, as awkward. It, um, it seems very TV. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like a movie. Koble assures Horn that whatever he has to do to keep the cattle safe, he's going to back him 100%. And, uh, they, right, but everybody's being really like politically careful here yeah. because they don't want to like. Uh, you know, be accused of uh, condoning murder. Right. Mm-hmm. But they, but it's but, wink, wink, whatever yeah. you have to do. And it's basically like a, a group of cattlemen that all, like, they have separate ranches, but he's kind of protecting all three of them. Yeah, it's an association. Yeah. Like it's a, basically a, a corporation of, of sorts that with, they, like, a board and everything. And they're, they're pooling their money to pay Tom Horn to basically murder anyone who tries to steal well, their cows. They, I mean, they, they, they put it in so much as... Every, you know, cattle rustler that you get to go away in some fashion, you get $200 for. And I feel like you could intentionally misread the situation and just be like, oh, I got him to go away. Oh, he came back. Oh, I'll get him to go away again. You can give me another $200. Yeah. It's like, no, I think they mean go away permanently. And they're pretty much implying we want you to kill these people. But uh, they all sit down to like a nice meal. Uh, They introduce him to a U.S. marshal at this meal. Yeah. Who seems familiar with his work, and 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 even the marshal says, "Hey, you know, you can come work for me," and and like, and he asks, "Like, what's the difference?" It's like you get paid on time, as yeah. far as killing people. Like, you you get to kill people still, but you get paid on time. Yeah, and you have the law protecting to, to back you up. But um, he's he's happy working for Coble. Um, he doesn't seem interested in uh, in ditching him. He meets a school teacher here, and uh, Jess, you pointed out. Something interesting that he says oh, to the school teacher yeah, when he his, walks up to her. Yeah, his first line to her is, what do you do? And he's like, this is 1890-something? Like, you don't ask a woman what she does. She's either married and has children, or mm. she's trying to get married and have children. Yeah. Like, they don't have jobs. And, but, like, this is a rare case where she does, in fact, have a job. Yeah. Not just taking care of a household. But that just seems like a very strange question. Yeah, it, it did seem like a, an interesting opening line, but... By chance, she happens. He's to be a, a very modern teacher. man. <laughs> yes, that's that's definitely the point of the film is that he's super modern. <laughs> very he's progressive. Definitely keeping up with the times. <laughs> Horn heads off to interrupt a cattle auction because he's now he's calling himself. I mean, Coble gave him the title, but he's a yeah. stock detective. Yeah, um, which means that he's basically tracking all these stolen cattle and returning them to the ranches that they came from, and. Uh, he tells them, "Okay, well, let me see that bill of sale. That's this isn't official. These these people don't own this cow, so they can't sell it." And uh, they're like, "Well, we're gonna do whatever we want." And I'm the deputy, and I, what I say goes around here. So uh, if you have a problem, you're gonna have to take it up with these rustlers. And he's like, "All right, <laughs> loud and clear." Yep, I heard you. <laughs> he basically, as those rustlers are leaving the auction, chases them down and murders them. Yeah, all, all except the one who he just says. You know, tell, tell everybody else. Tell them what you've seen here. <laughs> yeah. He sneaks up on Brown Hole at night 
Yeah. Oh. After he kills these three people. Such an awkward thing to say. Yeah. Sneaking up on <laughs> Brown Hole. He goes in the back door. Yeah. Um, so there's this weird, I can't even tell what's happening because it's it's so dark and yeah. there's, there's a lot of people around. And there's um, a lot of spurs being chimed. Yeah, a lot of jingle, like, jingle, jingle. Like, I would take off. those off. Second of all, I would edit this scene better. Yeah. yeah. Someone shoots someone is my note here. Yeah. <laughs> because, so he's he's sneaking up on the building and we see him start to pick up his gun. Mm-hmm. And then we see a bad guy notice something. And so he turns his rifle and he shoots but so we definitely saw a bad guy fire a rifle. Yeah. Then we see someone else get hit and fall down. And then without another gunshot happening, we cut to Tom Horn and his gun is smoking like he shot. Right. But we know that the other guy shot. So they, they both, both shot. shot at the exact same time. Which is a thing that happens a couple times in this movie. But it's like who did the bad guy shoot? If they both shot at the same time and only one of the bad guys died? Well, does that mean Tom Horn hit a guy and this guy missed? Yeah. And they both shot on top of each other at the exact same time. Apparently. But they're also using really bad framing and editing skills here because of the the screen space that they're holding. Like, bad guy is sort of on the right side of the screen. Tom yeah. Horton's on the left side of the screen. And then they, the guy that, you know, gets hit by a bullet is on the left-hand side of the screen. And I, you almost can't even tell that it's a person. You just see something fall out of frame in the background. Yeah. But re-watching it, I was like, no, that's definitely a guy getting hit. But they're not following the 180-degree the rule. Yeah. Horn, in the middle of this dust-up, decides he's going to jump up onto the roof of of the building. And uh, he's, like, scampering over the top as the guy inside, who is now, at this point, the only surviving member of the gang, uh, is like, Oh, are you here to kill me, Tom Horn? I'm going to get you first. And starts firing into the the roof. And you're seeing these holes get blasted out of the ceiling as, as Horn is climbing around. He ducks down into the building, and he gets the drop on this guy. And just takes the top corner of his face so off. I, I, my note was he scanners that guy. Yeah. It just, it's literally like from about 12 to 3 o'clock, it's just gone. Yeah, I, I, I audibly just yelled the F word while I was watching this. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe what happened. Yeah, it's it's a cool effect. It, it is a cool effect, but if that's the only reason it was rated R, it seems kind of unusual. I, I think that, um, and what what is important is not this murder mur- killing murder you will that that's the debate of this whole thing right it's murder uh but it's supposed to be disturbing yeah it is all the killings were to reflect tom horn's actual brutality his tactic was to be as brutal as possible to get these men to try not to because then they were scared to do it yeah um the the historical stuff that says that people would just like not be would be terrified when he would was in town because they just know what he's capable of and and, and they've and, heard about these brutal crime scenes yeah um even there's even a scene in this movie where he's like walking past a guy who's like working on a water wheel water mill uh windmill water wheel thing you know water pump and he's like you tom horn he's like oh well you seem you seem like a nice enough fella yeah <laughs> like because he's like already aware like, must not be tom horn because yeah from what I hear, Tom Horn just looks terrifying. Well, I feel like that it's in and of itself would have been a more interesting thing to incorporate into this film because we, at no point in this movie do we do we see like the bad guys like get together and be like, "Oh no, it's Tom Horn!" Like yeah. this, this guy is really really horrible. What are we gonna do? Yeah, at this point, most of the bad guys are pretty much already dead. Yeah. <laughs> like it's basically the end of these wrestlers. That's not even an issue anymore for the rest of the movie. 
uh, we cut immediately from the guy's head opening up to just they're back at the ranch breaking a wild horse and everyone's just like acting like he didn't just go and murder like five or six dudes the day before the horse almost escapes after they finally uh, get someone to ride it for a minute um, and he takes it down to the school where he's it's basically a gift uh, and a right. way of asking out this school teacher on a date as she's walking through the classroom, she points to one of the kids and says, Put that mouse in your pocket. Because <laughs> <laughs> the kid's like just playing with a mouse on his desk. And apparently his pocket is a much better place for it. Uh, but but as soon as he comes in, she's like, everyone's dismissed. <laughs> yeah. She's like, congratulations, you can all go home. He invites her to try and ride the horse. And he's trying to give her instructions and everything. But he come to find out she's been riding horses since she was a kid. Yeah, yeah. He's not teaching her anything. He's just like, wow, that's impressive that you uh, you were able to do that so yeah, well. Yeah, she's doing this, to obviously, to flirt with him. Right. Like, it's like, oh, you're helping me learn how to ride. This is yeah. so great. He, uh, Horn, heads out and encounters another rustler who's basically just sitting at a table, like sitting down to a meal in mm-hmm. his own home. And uh, he starts an argument with the guy and from out from outside from outside and the rustler under the table fires a gun trying to kill horn but hits the horse and kills tom horn's horse and so tom horn is so angry at his horse dying that he turns around and he puts like even as he's falling off of the horse puts one through the guy's head Mm -hmm. and kills him and then he goes and he's like kill my horse you son of a bitch and he shoots the corpse five more times and then burns down the (laughs) cabin yeah yeah that's what i have on my notes Puts one through his head, five through his corpse, burns the shack. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, another wrestler approaches and uh, fires on Horn in the middle of town. Yeah. Uh, Basically, like, they've gone, they've declared all-out war on him. Mm -hmm. They're not even trying to steal cows anymore. They're just like, we have to kill this guy before he kills us. Um, But he's not a good shot, and Horn has enough time to get a gun and turn around and return fire and kills this guy in the middle of town in front of everybody. Well, Children, he, women. He, he he wings him first, and right. then he walks up to him. He's still alive, and he could be arrested. You are in town. Yeah. And just, blam, finishes him off. Yeah, this is not a PvP zone. Yeah, so th- th- this, this is kind of the beginning of the end as far as the, this version of the story of Tom Horn in that people are like, okay, that, that there was was the last straw yeah and we cut to the first scene with with no tom horn in it where the rest of the cattlemen's association are like this is now a problem we need to separate ourselves from this guy at this point it's like okay well who's gonna fire him like yeah let's draw straws real quick and see who's gonna tell this guy that he doesn't get to pay for food anymore but the uh, is still defending him like he's just doing what we hired him to do yeah and they're like well we have to fire him from that now because uh it's done But oddly enough, I feel like this version of Tom Horn, if he told him, Tom, it's time for you to move on, he'd be like, all right. Yeah, as as he's being played by Steve McQueen here, he would have just been like, okay. But maybe in real life it would have just been like, okay, so who do I kill now? Because I need money. That that is an interesting thing that throughout this entire movie, the way Steve McQueen plays it is just like super chill, mellow the whole time like there's no but also a little oafish even yeah yeah yes a little oafish but there you know there's no real emotional highs or lows there's no contemplation there, there's there's really nothing interesting happening with him in terms of like how he feels about what's going on yeah i, th- I think that in this in this portrayal he loses a lot of the sociopathy of the actual person 
that went around murdering people for a living. And and a lot of this is supposed to be about the kind of closing of the West. Right. Like these these this kind of way of life that Tom Horn is living is done with. The, this isn't how we do things anymore. Yeah. What where are we, Wyoming? Uh oh, uh, you know what, believe me or not, I, I, I that's think, the one thing I, I didn't write down. I think, I think that's I think what it is. is. Wyoming. But yeah, it's like as these states were getting incorporated into the US and they were installing marshals and sheriffs and and things yeah. were kind of cracking I mean, down. Yeah, at this point it's 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 essentially 1900s. Right. I mean, we're we're like 70 years away from the Wright brothers flying a plane. I mean, this is the modern era, yeah, essentially that we're getting into and he's still living by the gun. Yeah, he he's he's participating in the in the world of like train robberies when we're almost like shooting the great train robbery yeah (laughs) they're mad that he's drawing attention to the violence of uh of his job and uh that kids are getting spattered with blood basically from Mm -hmm. these these shootouts because they want the town to seem safe yeah and uh there there has been talk before this point of this in addition to the cattle rustling there someone has been like stealing sheep yeah so uh the 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 real history was that these two family two families were arguing about who owns the land right um it's and that they were letting these people graze their animals on property that didn't belong to them um which is the kind of arguments that are like still going on in the present yeah i mean i I don't know if you either of you saw the movie open range with kevin costner and robert duvall no um it's it's about free grain free rangers and homesteaders you know these people are coming from the east to to live on the land and buy property but this property was once available for cattle grazing yeah and now it's not, but it's like, well, we used to graze our cattle here. It's like, well, now you can't. It's like, but now we don't have any place. You have the river. The river was open to us, and now you're saying it's not? Right. Like, this is our, we lived here. This is how we're making, it's like, it's like issues. Yeah, well, they're, they're still going on today. We well, had yeah. a whole shootout about it. Yeah, the because uh, the Bureau of Land Management was going after the this family that was, because the, the rule is supposed to be that you pay for, the right to have your cattle graze on this government-owned land. Mm-hmm. But they were like, well, we don't have to do that anymore. Is, is the, I want to say Bundy's? Bundy's, yep, that yeah. was it. Um, and uh, and they just refused to pay, and they refused to go to court about it. And that was why they ended up like taking over that building that was owned by the BLM. Yeah, yeah it was the Forest Management Building or something like that. They they the wildlife refuge they barricaded themselves inside and had like an fbi shootout well essentially the the government's plan was to not engage them at all and just like we don't use that building for this part of the year it doesn't have electricity like feel free to hang out in there until you give up and go home because we want this to end as peacefully as possible but then there was like a high-speed chase and like one of them literally pulled a gun and started mm-hmm. to point it at the police and was killed in the in the shootout it wasn't ammon bundy that was killed it was one of the other people that was a part of their group but yeah so these conversations this stuff yeah. is still happening but so, so yeah so you know in in the history the the historical part of this is that there there was a it was an ongoing dispute between these families and uh this boy was killed yeah, he was there with the sheep when they were grazing on land that they didn't own. Um, the, the, they call it, it's the Nolt family, right? Um, yeah, uh, I think they changed the names around between the history. 
So my notes are kind of muddled on that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll defer to you. But it would also stand to reason that once he had killed all of the local cattle rustlers, that that would be the next target would be to move to the people who mm. are grazing illegally. But when we see this happen, this kid is sitting up on a fence with a bunch of sheep that are grazing somewhere that they're not supposed to be grazing. And he thinks he sees something in the distance. There's like a shadow by a tree. And then the kid is shot and collapses mm. into the pen with all the sheep. And that's all we see here. We don't see Tom Horn doing it. We don't see anybody else doing it. We just see a kid is there, a gun goes off, and uh, he falls dead. The next day in the paper, a bunch of people are reading it in a bar, and they see, oh, the Nolt kid was killed. Uh, he got shot by uh, 4560, which is the same gun that Tom mm-hmm. Horn has been using to kill all these rustlers. Yeah, and in I think in the re- the reality of it, he used 3030s, but it's the same. The same the same point is being made is that he used the same caliber. Right, um, and they said that they found a rock under his head, like the three in Brown Hole, which it's like, did he go around and put rocks under the heads of each of the people that he killed in Brown Hole? Because if he did, then they it seems like they would have him dead to rights. Like, that, he clearly right. did the same thing here. Um, well, they probably should have mentioned that sooner if that's something that he yeah, did. Yeah, but I don't think they do say that um, originally. But uh, the marshal basically says that he's going to extract a confession. And he hires someone to transcribe the confession. Mm-hmm. And so he says, I'm going to bring him in here and I'm going to talk to him. You're going to sit and listen by this door and I need you to write down exactly what he says. And uh, he brings in Horn. Who had been drinking. Yeah. And Horn says that a forty-five sixty has a trajectory like a rainbow. And... Well, I'd have killed that kid. It'd have been the best shot I ever made. And the dirtiest trick I ever done. Mm-hmm. But the guy on the other side of the door writes down, when I killed that kid. Yeah. So, again, this is playing in a little bit into the history of it. Of that uh he was quoted the history has him quoted as saying when i killed when it but but he was the the history of that also saying that the marshal was intentionally getting him more and more drunk right uh so that you his he would slur his words yeah but they would also sound like his words exactly but also i think that this movie is is playing up is that he is drunk and steve mcqueen's delivery of that line is what he thinks he's saying right but in the reality is which is why when we hear it later it's kind of like echoed right like in this kind of like like i don't remember this at all this entire conversation uh, it's like in beer fest when uh they have that whole scene play out where the guy's like suddenly really good at all the contests and he goes home with like the hottest woman in the bar <laughs> and then they show what really happened they do the same joke in wolf of wall street where yeah. it's just like oh man i can't believe i could just drive this car on all this coke <laughs> and then they show like in real life he's like falling out of it and it's like crashed into a pillar but yeah, so he he thinks he's being suave and uh, explaining that he didn't do it, but potentially confessing. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe he just really did confess in real life and just walked in and said, "Yeah, I did it. What are you going to do about it?" But uh, Sheriff Sam Creedwell arrests Tom in a bar. Um, this is the Slim Pickens character, Correct, yeah. and uh, he meets an attorney, Burke, and uh, <laughs> there's this weird line here. He says. Ever seen so many bars in your life? I guess that's why they call it jail. <laughs> so what does that mean? It's like, I don't understand what part of jail. I don't, okay, whatever. <laughs> anyway, we we get, uh, is it a flashback of him flirting with the teacher? Yeah, we get a couple of these, like, weird. They're just oddly placed 
Um, it's uh, again really weird editing. I think it feels more like a television show than yeah. than a movie. I can't decide if I feel like it should have been introduced more obviously as a flashback, or if it should have just happened earlier before he got arrested. Yeah. Um, but either way, we get this scene of him with the teacher. She's in a tub mm-hmm. out in the middle of a field, and I, I guess I would say it's a trough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a watering trough. Right. And uh, another hustler comes up to attack them, and uh, Horn kills the guy and gets blood all over the the woman. Well, yeah, again, this is like playing into the brutality. Right. He he was already down, and then he just hit him so hard that his face splattered blood all over her. Yeah. And then when he says, we got to go, he wasn't like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, like, oh, you got blood on you, like, wash up. Or he's he's like, let's go. And also, when he first shoots the guy off the horse, the horse does a complete front flip on the ground. It looks super, super dangerous. So uh, we have Walter Stoll is the prosecuting attorney. Who's who's playing the prosecuting attorney? I forget. It was somebody. Um, Jeffrey Lewis. Oh, Jeffrey Lewis. Yeah, Yeah. from any which way, Uh, both of them. But yeah, he's uh, he's the prosecuting attorney, and they're basically holding this trial under a tent outside the courthouse. And uh, I don't know why it's happening outside, but for some reason it's happening outside. Maybe they didn't actually have a court. Yeah, I, I don't say think... it's a small town. Yeah. Coble says that he knows that Horn is innocent, which from what we've seen isn't true. He can't possibly know that. Right. Um, but uh, again, the history of it is that Coble... Yeah, like, spoke in his defense. Yeah. He was a, he was a character witness. Uh, the writer who was outside of the sheriff's or the marshal's office comes to read the quote, when i shot the kid not if i shot the kid mm-hmm. and uh basically and, and horn is not cooperating with yeah he's acting like testimony. it's a kangaroo court even though mm-hmm. it seems like they're following the rules well i also think that he he knows that this is right this this it's is just a setup yeah it, it's a setup but even if it wasn't a setup it doesn't matter because whatever he says it's it's just one person's judgment over the others yeah. he makes the point like do you know that i did it did you see me did anybody see me kill the kid no okay then it's just my word against yours and it doesn't matter so if you guys want to kill me then you have to kill me and if you don't want to kill me then yeah. let me go um but they've basically made up their minds and this isn't the first again in the reality this isn't the first trial for murder yeah that tom horn has been on <laughs> it's like the, the coen brothers like with james franco first time yeah it's <laughs> got his head in the news uh but uh, the judge's voice is ringing in his head, and uh, he asks that uh, someone show this guy how to be in court because yeah. it seems like he doesn't understand what we're doing. That night, Horn puts all of these Indian luck charms under his bed that he's like collected. I, I think they're probably less effective when you killed the people they belonged <laughs> to in the first place. Or more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he asks specifically for Earl not to look at them. Right. Like, don't look at him when you come to, to wake me up. Right. I, th- I thought this was pretty clever because I had no idea what he was getting at here until the next morning. Coble overhears a group of men bragging that they're going to get a horn hung um, at the bar. And he's obviously just pissed off about it and disappointed. And I think the point of this scene is supposed to make it look more like, oh, this is a conspiracy against him mm-hmm. again. But we're not g- given a clear indication as the audience whether or not he did this. But uh, the next day, the guard comes to the bed and he knows that those things are down there and that he was told not to look at them but his curiosity overtakes him and he leans down to look at them and right when his head is next to the bed horn grabs him and just starts slamming his head against the bars until he knocks him unconscious and and i thought initially was he was doing this because he looked at the charms and he asked him not to and it's like no he he, he He literally tricked him into looking i mean i think i knew right away because 
when he went to bed, he scooched the bed all the way up to the bars. Right. And so I'm like, well, he's planning something. I have no idea what, but he's planning. And I thought that, you know, that's pretty clever. You know, you get the guy who's close enough to the bar and knock him out. You know you're going to be able to, you know, grab the keys off of yeah. him. Yeah. And at this point, I, like, you still think, okay, well, maybe he he does believe in these charms. And then when he punches the guy, it's like, oh, he was just pretending he believed in the charm so that he could punch the guy. But later on, we get an indication. No, no, no. He actually believes in their... And their magical powers too, and in addition to their like factual usefulness. But uh, he knocks the guard out. He gets the key. He basically walks out of the jail with a hostage, mm-hmm. using the key as a fake gun. But he's caught escaping because he gets to a certain point where he's like, "Someone's going to notice me. I should start running now." Yeah. But he should have stolen a horse because he's on foot, and oh, everyone else is on horses. Oh, you don't want to be a horse thief in Wyoming. He's already <laughs> got the death penalty. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, he's caught escaping, uh, and then we get another flashback with the teacher of him and her just standing on a hillside, and she says, you know, you're going to get your comeuppance for everything that you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, they meet with this Irish character who invented a device so that no one has to kill him. Yeah. Because uh, it's just part of, like, the... The modern... The, yeah, the modern society. Like, we're all too... We're all too... Knowledge- we're too ethical to actually put you to death, so you're going to commit suicide at our request Mm -hmm. and so he builds a machine where tom horn would step onto a platform and it uses like a hydraulic system yeah where water is dumped into a bucket and a counterweight opens the door so that he would fall through and be hung what i love is that they also build a bridge from the jail to this apparatus right because they don't want him to try to escape again yeah so there's like no way like he's gonna we're not even gonna give him an opportunity to get to the ground floor yeah we're just gonna have him walk from so directly was this to the gallop. historically accurate? I'm curious if yes. they built a weird contraption to kill yeah. him. Yeah, I was going to say it was probably started as a factoid and they thought it was too like too much of a great metaphor for how everyone was too scared to kill him mm-hmm. that they were like let's let's put this in the movie and have it be a part of it. Yeah, th- th- this was a real thing that about how he was killed. It was like they were trying to figure out ways, I guess not say more humane ways, but uh more uh guilt free <laughs> yeah guilt free ways to, to execute people but really he's committing suicide mm-hmm. here and that, and that well, was he his points concern. that out yeah. too yeah. and we get more flashbacks but basically he steps onto the platform and the water slowly fills the bucket very slowly yeah and then it's, a, it's pretty tense yeah sam i've never seen such a pasty-faced bunch of sheriffs in my life and then he's hung by the machine, and we see all of the the Indian trinkets tumble out of his hands through the hole in the in the gallows, and uh, that's the end of Tom Horn, which is interesting because this is based on an autobiography. I guess he wrote it in the jail that he, night. He, yeah, he did. He um, th- this trial went on for quite some time. Oh, okay. Uh, the, this movie compresses down the time, but he had time to completely write as much as he could about about his life, that hmm. such as it was before he died uh there was a lot of stuff going on with this trial where people were were defending like uh because you know he used his unique uh caliber bullet but it wasn't so so unique like people were saying like you can get it at the store every right, other yeah. people use this this gun uh they talk about like how he was he was seen like miles away at that around like like only like 20 or 30 minutes after the killing there's no way he could have made that distance um, and his point is that 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 gun and that style of bullet, like you can't make that long term a shot. Yeah, um, but that's why like the whole line of it would have been the greatest shot. Tom Horn 
was not a good person. <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel I feel bad saying this about anyone, but uh, while he may have been or may not have been involved in this killing, I think this movie presupposes that he was not. But he had done enough other things in his life that that just like that line is like you're gonna your past is gonna catch up with you. Yeah, and uh, I think that that is what this movie should have been more about. This movie should have been more about that. Less about like was he innocent or not for this crime, but it's like no, he has committed numerous other crimes that he should have been punished for, and he was on trial for multiple yeah. times for unethical killings of like it's like this probably was murder, but he was acquitted of all of them. He especially hated cattle rustlers because he tried to start a ranch with all the money he had made while he was in the service of the government. Uh, and all of his cows were stolen. All and of them? All of them. Jeez. He lost his whole thing and he, had, he went bankrupt. Well, and considering so how good he is at killing people and stopping them from getting right. cattle, why did he let that happen? Yeah. Um, so that's when he became nomadic was that he, he had no money. Uh, and so he was just doing odd jobs wherever he could. Uh, which eventually led him to this place in Wyoming, where he ultimately met his fate in 1903. Where, where he met a bunch of guys who were like, I know, let's take the guy who just failed at stopping cattle rustlers from making him go bankrupt and have him help us not go bankrupt from cattle rustlers. Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, this is what happens, though, when you fire William Goldman off of your Western and you yeah. let someone else come yeah. in and write it. Um, but uh, we said before it was directed by William Wired, Weird Wizard. A lot of TV stuff, no other features. Yeah. Um, the two writers for this movie, uh, Thomas McGuane and Bud Shrake, did pretty much exclusively westerns. They have like three or four westerns each that they had written. I think McGuane had, uh, the he wrote The Missouri Breaks, um, but I didn't recognize any of Bud Shrake's other titles. Steve McQueen, obviously, here playing Tom Horn. Uh, you know him from The Great Escape. Or Bullet, Bullet or yeah. Papillon is one of my favorites from him. Um, he's also in The Magnificent Seven. Um, he was the original Thomas Crown before Pierce oh, Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also in the original Blob. He was in The Towering Inferno, but not Towering Inferno 2, <laughs> even though he was contractually obligated to be in it uh, because he passed away in 1980. Linda Evans was uh, Glendolyn Kimmel. Yeah. I, it's like, I don't ever remember them saying her name. No, it must just be the name of the real person. But uh, she played Crystal Carrington in 210 episodes of Dynasty. So if you know her from anything, it's that because yeah. I didn't recognize any of the other credits. Uh, Richard Farnsworth was John Coble. I love mm. Richard Farnsworth. Yeah, he is, he is great. Um, he's Buster in Misery. He's uh, Red Blow in The Natural. Yeah. He's Alvin in A Straight Story, the... Uh, the David Lynch. Yeah, David Lynch, that movie that doesn't feel like a David Lynch movie. Mm. We'll have another Disney's one The Straight Story. Yeah. And he actually got an Oscar nomination for that. That was his last film. Um, he was nominated for supporting actor for uh, Comes a Horseman in 1978. And uh, in Papillon, he is uncredited with McQueen. Mm. I didn't realize he was in that movie. And he also plays Slim in a remake of McQueen's version of Getaway. Uh, I'm trying to remember who plays the lead in the remake of Getaway. Yeah. I think it's like Charlie Sheen or somebody or Emilio Estevez. I can't remember. Uh, Billy Green Bush is U.S. Marshal Joe Bell. He played Jay Brown in Critters. 
Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure that's the grandfather of the kid that's the main character of those movies. Because his name is Billy Brown or Bradley mm. Brown. Uh, he also played Elton in Five Easy Pieces, which is a great film. Um, and Sheriff Ed Landis in Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, Slim Pickens was Sheriff Sam Creedmore. He plays Taggart in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> um, he's Major King Kong in Doctor Strangelove. He famously rides a bomb out of a sh- out of a plane, uh, mm-hmm. a nuclear bomb out of a plane all the way to the ground, just shouting "Yeehaw!" the yeah. whole way down. What else can you do? <laughs> yeah, he was also in the original Getaway with McQueen, and he's the voice of Bob in the Black Hole, mm-hmm. um, which is a very funny choice. Uh, Elijah Cook Jr. was the stable hand. Um, he plays Francis Ice Pick Hofstetler in thirteen episodes of Magnum PI. Um, he will be back later this year in Carney, and he's probably uh, better known for Mr. Nicholas and Rosemary's Baby, uh, Harry Jones in The Big Sleep, or Wilmer Cook in The Maltese Falcon. A lot of old school noir stuff. And that was the stable hand played Wilmer. Yeah. Okay. I I I, I that that's I remember as soon as you said the Maltese Falcon, I was like, oh yeah, I know that, that character. Roy Jensen was Lee Mendenhauer. Uh, I don't remember which character that was. I'm assuming it's one of the wrestlers. Um, he was Donovan in Soylent Green, Mulvihill in Chinatown, and Cully in The Getaway with McQueen. Uh, so that's a couple of people that were in the McQueen one. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis was Walter Stoll. I love Jeffrey Lewis. He's in lots of uh, Clint Eastwood stuff. Any Which Way But Loose, Any Which Way You Can, Pink Cadillac, more. Um, he was also a villain in MacGyver's Silent World. Mm. <laughs> uh, the one with the, the machine for deaf people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, his last movie was called High and Outside. I think we've talked about this before. Um, it was directed by Evald Johnson and written by Dan O'Dare, a uh, couple of Pytown employees from our days back in Pytown, yeah, yeah, yeah. me and Richard. But yeah, Jeffrey Lewis was a cool guy. And he's actually Juliet Lewis's father, too. Huh. Um, uh, Harry Northrup, uh, Thomas Burke, uh, he played Doughboy in Taxi Driver, which is one of the other drivers, I think. Um, he plays Mr. Immel in Silence of the Lambs. And he'll be back later this year in used cars. Um, Jess, what do you think about this movie, up or down? Uh, yeah, I don't think people need to bother. I, I agree. I disagree. Okay. Uh, I actually uh, kind of enjoy this movie. Um, I, I, I like I like westerns uh, mostly, and uh, I was really intrigued uh, by the character. I guess more so the history of the actual person than I guess the movie, but. Uh, it kind of led me down that rabbit hole. So yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think the history of this person is really interesting, and I think it could have made a really interesting movie. But this was not it. Oh, I agree. There, there was it's it's lacking, but I did enjoy it. All right. Um. So that's no, no, yes, and then uh, who wants to go first on their letterbox? Uh. So I would put it just below Simon, but above Midnight Madness. I, I I kind of actually I'm also going to go above Midnight Madness. <laughs> this is going above Midnight Madness. Okay, above Midnight Madness for both of you. Which puts it below Little Miss Marker for me. That that would be the same for me. They're right next to each other for me too. But I think yeah, you know what? I'm going to put it there too, right above Midnight Madness. I think that's right. fair. At least we all agree. All three of us <laughs> right above Midnight Madness. Well, I think that about covers it for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can find us 
at Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Uh, you can also find our full movie rankings for the year there. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show, and if you take the time to review us, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing When Time Ran Out, which IMDb summarizes thusly. An active volcano threatens a South Pacific island resort and its guests as a power struggle ensues between the property's developer and a drilling foreman. We leave you now with the trailer for When Time Ran Out. There's not going to be any evacuation. Another non-believer. Won't they ever learn? Only this guy's problem is a small matter of a very active volcano. This thing's a powder keg. Oh, I think that's a damned irresponsible conclusion on your part. Oh, well, then perhaps there's still time for a little passion in paradise. That's some kiss. Passion that really sparks. But this sucker makes Mount St. Helens look like a kid's sparkler. irresponsible conclusion on your part you said that already paul newman jacqueline bissett william holden james franciscus alex karras pat marita excuse me don't we have any other explosions thank you burgess meredith and hill street's veronica hamill They were all having a good time when time ran out.